apologise um, for the lack of heat in the church today. It's a little bit cold, um, so especially when you're from a West Indian country like myself, it's freezing. Um, but we do hope to get that right um, next week and get the heating on earlier so that um, you're much warmer. Um, this week, though, we are having our Wednesday um, prayer meeting, study in Exodus, starting at 7.30 next door. If you want to go a bit deeper into God's word, I recommend that you try to get to that meeting that will be um, um, conducted by, by our brother John, and it's well worth getting involved in that. Now, obviously, most of you know that Christmas falls on a Sunday, so we are having a Christmas Day service here at 10.30 in the morning, slightly earlier, 10.30 in the morning, so that you are able to come Worship the Lord, put Jesus first on your day, and you can go home and get all the uh, Christmas um, food and preparations done. That's going to be happening on, the, um, on Christmas Day. And then um, the following week after Christmas Day, New Year's Day falls on a Sunday as well. So um, we are going to actually have a um, New Year's Eve celebration here. We're having um, an Indian curry going to be served here as well um, on that Saturday night. And also, we will be playing Family Fortunes on the big screen. So if you want to come and enjoy a, an evening uh, with us here at Golding's Church, then you're really, really warmly invited to do that. We would need your name uh, for um, catering purposes. So there will be a list, uh, not today, but there will be a list on the table. Or you can email Kim and say to her, I'm coming, my family's coming, and then we can make sure we have enough um, Indian curry for everyone to go around. So um, please put your name down for that so we can have a, a family time. And then on a Sunday, the New Year's Day, we're not going to be meeting at 11 o'clock in the morning because people will be going to bed a little bit late that night before. We'll be meeting at 5 o'clock in the evening instead. So our uh, New Year's Day service will be at 5 in the evening. So that will be um, um, told you again so you can remember that. Um, going forward. I think that's all the announcements I have for you. Well, we're going to be looking at this message in a few moments' time. I'm going to just ask you to bow your heads in prayer as I um, ask God for his help for me and, um, and for yourselves as well. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we need your help. How can we come to your word expecting to understand it without you sending your spirit to help us? So God, I pray Pour your spirit upon your word. Pour your spirit upon the hearer and the speaker alike. That we both will enjoy being spoken to by you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we consider the Christmas story, you know, we understand that Jesus' birth, his amazing arrival, uh, came at very difficult time for Israel. Um, the Roman Empire, if you know a little bit about history, the Roman Empire ruled most of the known world at that time. They ruled Jerusalem, um, they ruled Israel, and, um, and they were um, quite harsh. The economy, like our economy, was not easy. High taxes, low standard of living, it was very, very difficult, um, the time when Jesus was born. But the most difficult thing was this. It has been 400 years since God last 
spoke. Those of you who know your Bibles will know that the Old Testament ends with Malachi. And it begins with Matthew. There's a 400 year silence. God doesn't speak a word. No one writes anything from God. There's not a single word from the Lord. And because there wasn't a single word from God, during those 400 years, men and women began to live their lives the way they want to live their lives. Men and women begin to live their lives um, doing the things that they, they want in the dark. And so... Jesus was born in a very dark time of Israel's history. Now, there's one verse that I want to put under consideration this morning. Just one verse to look at. And I've got two different versions. So in the New King James Version, it says this. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not understand it. That's in the New King James Version. In the NIV Version, it says a little bit different. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So we're going to look at this um, together. And the first thing I want to look at is knowledge. What is this darkness? The Bible says the light shines in the darkness. What is this darkness? Well, growing up as a little boy, I hated sleeping in the dark. I always wanted a light on, but my parents said no, because they couldn't afford the electricity. So I had to sleep in the dark. And I always was frightened of the dark. What does the Bible mean when it speaks about darkness? Well, it says a lot of different things about darkness. For example, it's obvious that um, the light that shone in the sky where the three wise men followed to find Jesus, that light can only be seen in the dark. That verse doesn't mean that darkness. Or we read about the shepherds watching the sheep at night. It was dark when they were looking after their sheep. But this darkness is not that. So what is this darkness? And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not understand it. When Jesus was born, there was darkness concerning his coming. Many people in Jesus' day knew nothing about his coming. Not only did they know nothing about his coming, they didn't care about it, they didn't understand it, they weren't looking for it. They knew nothing at all about his coming. They were in the dark. Darkness covered their understanding about the coming of Jesus. Now it's quite amazing because the Bible or the, the, the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, was read every Saturday, every Sabbath, in every synagogue, they would read the scriptures. The people can hear it. And a part of their reading were these words coming from the book of Isaiah. Therefore, sorry, and therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. 
the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and we call him Emmanuel. This was read regularly on a Saturday in every synagogue in Israel. Also, these words were regularly read. For to us, a son, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These words were read regularly. Now they come from a book called Isaiah, as you can see at the bottom of your page of the screen, Isaiah. Now, a little bit of history here again, because um, over in the Middle East, a few shepherd boys was playing outside a cave. And one of the shepherd boys threw a stone into the cave, and he heard a smash. When they went in, they found jars with scrolls in them. Calling the experts, they came down, they looked at the scrolls, and among the scrolls, they found the entire book of Isaiah. Just as it is in our Bibles. That book was preserved in those caves for over 2,000 years. Called the Dead Sea Scrolls, if you want to check it out on, your, on the internet when you get home. The Dead Sea Scrolls. And when they took them out, they found that in those scrolls, among a lot of them, was the entire book of Isaiah. And in Isaiah, we read these words. A virgin shall be with child. In Isaiah, we read these words. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Now even though these words were read regularly in the hearing of many people in Israel, people did not understand. They were in the dark. They were so steeped in their own lives, so steeped worrying about the government, Worrying about the economy, worrying about what the Romans might do, what they might not do, worrying about how much food they have or how much they got. They're so worried, so steeped in their own world, in their own life, that they did not look or understood that Jesus Christ was coming. You know, our day is no different, you know. People are so wrapped up. In their own world, aren't they? People are so wrapped up in their own situations, worried about their, their mortgage payments, worried about the electricity bills, worried about you know the, the, the family. We're so wrapped up in our own world that we can't we fail to see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Fail to see the light of the knowledge of God. You know, this week I was um, in Oxford Street for two days. I had a conference there. And as I got out of the train station, um, it was in the morning, but I, I looked up and I saw that they had all these lights being prepared. 
And I just realized, I know that when evening comes in Oxford Street, all the lights will be on. It will be a, a, a wonderful spectacle. People will be going shopping, busily walking around, buying different things, and there will be all these beautiful lights completely illuminating the whole of Oxford Street. Absolutely wonderful. But even though there's so much light, people are such, so much in the dark. Even though there's so much light, people are still in the dark. And the Bible turns around and says, you know, the light shines in the darkness. But the darkness has not understood it. People in the world are so wrapped up that they're not understanding that Jesus Christ's birth was announced years before it took place. Let's move on then from um, knowledge. And let's go on to hope. Because there's another verse here in the scriptures that speak about light. And um, it says this. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. That phrase that we see here in this verse, the shadow of death. The phrase that is used in the Bible a number of times. I find it over in the greatest psalm, Psalm 23. It's there as well. When I was looking in my Bible, I opened Psalm 23 and there it is again. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What does it mean? Well, the Old Testament speaks like in these words. The soul that sins shall surely die. Now everyone knew that we, in the Bible days, everyone knew that we were all going to die. We all have a physical death. No one is confused about that. But there was an understanding that the soul will be under the shadow of death. That is, the soul will be separated from God. How is that possible? How can a soul be separated from God? You know, sometimes I'm driving, I saw it this morning actually, I'm driving and sometimes you see a, a car accident. And the car is on the other side of the carriageway and it's on its roof and it's pointing in the other direction. And you drive past and you thought, how on earth did he get the car on the other side of the road? And you, and you think to yourself, what must have happened? And half of, my, half of me don't want to know because I don't want to be in that situation. But how on earth did he get himself in that situation? And when I think about how can a soul be separated from God for all eternity? Well, Paul picks it up and he says these words over in Romans. He says this. For though they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave him thanks but their thinking became futile 
and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal man, human being, birds, animals, and reptiles. This is true for all generations. People claim to know God, but they actually reject God. And they claim to be wise, but the Bible says they become fools. And they make images and they worship different things. Over the past two weeks, I've been watching the World Cup. As I've been watching the World Cup and I've been seeing teams like Portugal go out. I've been seeing teams like um, you know, Spain go out. Teams like Brazil going out. Teams like England going out. And when I look at the crowd, I see tears pouring down their faces. I see people praying that he won't miss. I see faces anguish because the team is going to lose. I look at the crowd. I think to myself, wow. Instead of worshipping God, they're worshipping man. I was smiling when I saw Ronaldo going out, crying down the alley when I thought, well, poor you. How many men like to be like Ronaldo? We see that our society Although we might claim to have some kind of faith in God. Although we might claim to know him in some way. We reject his knowledge. We find people who rather be wise in their own eyes. I listen to LBC sometimes. And as I listen to LBC, the radio station, so many people with so many opinions, and all of them are right. But the coming of Jesus Christ, the Bible says the coming of Jesus Christ brings light. Look what he says here. Again, that verse. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. I worked nights in my younger days as a security guard looking after some buildings or property and I'm sometimes sitting around. Eight hours at night is a long, long time. Everybody likes watching the sunset. But I want to tell you, when you're sitting and doing eight hours night, you're waiting for the sunrise. And then suddenly, as I'm working, it's all dark and black all night. And suddenly the light begins to come. The dawn begins to break. And the darkness disappears. This verse says, those living in the land of the shadow of death, those who are living separated from God, 
those who are making a train wreck or a road wreck of their own lives. They're doing things that they ought not to do. They're doing things that they shouldn't do at all. They know that they're sinning against God. They're living in the shadow of death. Their soul is separated from God. Jesus' birth tells them that a light is being shone into their lives. The darkness is long. The night is hard. The coming of Jesus is good news. The Bible tells me the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, let's just finish this message and bring this whole thing to a close. We've talked about hope, but I want to end and think about victory. There's two verses I mentioned in the beginning. The second one um, is from the NIV. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it. All of Jesus' life, when he came into this world, all of his life from his birth right to his crucifixion, all through his life, the darkness tried to overcome it. So we have Herod. When Jesus was born, we learned last week, Herod, who was um, angry that the wise men um, tricked him, uh, decided to try to kill every child two years and younger, wanted to kill Jesus. We understand that when Jesus went into ministry and he went into a mountain, the devil tempted him and told him to jump off a high building and kill himself, wanted him to die and destroy him. The darkness tried to put out the light. When Jesus spoke into religious churches, in religious circles, the Pharisees and the religious people hated him and wanted to kill him. Even the Romans got a hold of him, put nails in his hands, a crown of thorns on his head, and crucified him. The light, the darkness trying to overcome the light. But Jesus said these words. He said this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The darkness, the wickedness of our world tried to overcome him. But Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will never walk in darkness. As I said, we have so many voices vying for our attention. So many people wanting you to listen to them. But Jesus turns around and says, I am not just a light. I'm not just a light in England. I'm not just a light in Israel. I'm not just a light in the West or a light in the Middle East. Jesus said, no, no, no. I am the light. There's no other light but me. 
There's no other light that you need in your life but me. And if you walk with me, if you follow me, says Jesus, if you listen to my teaching, if you follow my way, if you have me as part of your life, you will never walk in darkness. My dear friends, we live in a very dark society. Everywhere you turn, people will turn around and say their opinions are right. Everywhere you turn, they will turn around and say that sin is good. Everywhere you turn, people will turn around and say their ways may be a little bit dodgy or illegal, but it's okay. Everywhere you turn. But Jesus said, if you follow me, you will never walk in darkness. The birth of Jesus it's not just the birth of any baby. Oh, a baby comes into a family, it's wonderful. Everyone is happy. And sure they should be. The birth of Jesus, it's not just the birth of any baby. The birth of Jesus was the coming of a new dawn in our world. A light that points people to eternal life. My question to you, my dear friends, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? Is he that light shining in your life? Maybe so. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much that when Jesus Christ came into our world, he came to bring light. Father, today we live in a society where there is so much darkness, so much sin. Father, we don't even know what goes on behind closed doors. We don't even know, and we don't, can't even see what you see. The brokenness, the emptiness, the lies, you see all the darkness. But we thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you are the light of the world. May we, as a church, put our faith and our trust in you and in you alone. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.